0: Hey, what's up everybody, welcome to the MMB Performance Podcast. This is officially going to be episode number one. If you've been following me for a while, you know that I've had a podcast in the past, the Jeff Moulton Podcast, the What's Your Story Podcast, many guests on. Um, I'm excited to get this rolling again. It's been a wild few years. We've been making them, we've been stopping, we've been making them, and now we're back to get this consistently going again. Um, Jordan, Cyat, baby, my first guest, was very generous enough to come on. Um, We booked this a while back and I'm excited to interview him. Bear with me. It's my first one in a while and I was definitely excited to have him on. So my normal flow was a little bit off, but as we get going, it it gets good. So um, if you don't know Jordan, he is someone that I've been following for a long time. Um, This man has built a massive online coaching business. He was Gary V's trainer. Um, He wrote a book called Eat It. He has uh, the Inner Circle, where he has this huge coaching website to get on. He coaches individual people on building their coaching businesses. Um, This man's helped so many people, and I'm so grateful to have him on and excited to get this baby rolling.
1: So, um, Jordan, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate the kind words, and I'm very excited to speak with you. Thanks, man. First off, how does it feel to be a dad, bro? Oh, it's great. It's great. It's awesome. I love it. It's uh it's surreal in many ways. It's amazing. It's exhausting and tiring and petrifying. Uh, it's every emotion you could possibly imagine all into one, but it's all in all, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. I saw you did, uh, uh you put up a video today about sleep. So yeah. you were half awake for regarding that one, trying to actually put that
1: up. Yeah, that one, that one was a really brutal one to film. Um, just because I had not had any sleep for a while. And, uh, you know, all, all in all, my daughter is like a very good sleeper relative to other babies. And she like barely ever cries, which is fantastic. But even then, like, it's still exhausting. But yeah, <laughs> that was a very difficult one to film. Oh,
0: I can imagine, man. And I, I I was can't remember how
1: are you? How many siblings do you have? You have a couple, right? So I have I have one blood brother. I have like one biological brother uh here in the States, but I have uh like a family in Israel that's like a I call it like a found family, a family that I met when I was a teenager. They took me into their home and you know, gave me a key to their house. I was the best man at their daughter's wedding. So I have like four siblings there that are not actually blood. Gotcha. And you talked about moving down
0: to down there basically before the whole COVID thing. Is there plans that moving forward?
1: Yeah. So so I lived there for a number of years when I was younger. And, uh, and I ended up coaching Gary Vaynerchuk for a few years. So I moved from Tel Aviv to New York to coach Gary. And my whole plan was the day that I stopped coaching Gary, I would move back to Israel. But I met my now wife, and then we started dating and then you know, plans change. So as of right now, we'll probably spend most of our time here in the States, but we'll spend a couple months here and there in Israel as well.
0: Oh that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting too. Like uh, I got married last year. Congrats, um, so awesome. yeah, I think you're you're 31, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah, so I'm 32. We got I got married last year, moved, bought a home, the whole nine, so we're getting settled in and all that uh, stuff. That's they awesome. Were similar age. It's funny when uh you know, you've inspired me a bunch too as we go along because it's kind of like year for year, I can kind of relate to a lot of your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny. I it just popped up the other day in my feed cuz you've cut back on caffeine. You've been really into the the, you know, t- zone two training and, and the aerobic capacity all that stuff. And uh, I, I came up is your caffeine video, ironically, came up literally <laughs> yesterday as I'm looking this up. I'm Man. like, oh, dude. So I watched that again for the second time. And I'm just like, so I, I it just popped in my head. I'm, I have a I got a, you know, a cup of coffee with me as we speak. So just for people that don't know, you you know, you're, you're, you're not drinking much coffee, very little caffeine intake now. Right. Yeah. So during that process, when you had that whole thing, like as you get to the end of it, you know you're testing the limits. Can you hydrate yourself on caffeine? How long can you go with it? Um, you know you're drinking iced coffee, normal coffee. When you hit that breaking point, when it just completely went off the rafters you you actually walked right to like the the hospital to or you know things were just catastrophically failing for you.
1: Dude, so yeah, so the whole reason I did, did this video is because there's a common myth that caffeine will dehydrate you hear this all the time and you know there's so there's so much research showing that's not accurate but there's so many there's only so many times you can hand someone a PubMed article and say like hey like read this it doesn't have because most people aren't going to read it and they'll just take a headline from men's health or whatever at face value so I was like you know what screw it I'm going to make a video where all I do is just drink coffee for 24 hours straight and show people that even though I'm only drinking coffee I will still hydrate myself and um as a result, I ended up drinking an unbelievable amount of caffeine, like w- uh, unbelievably unhealthy amounts of caffeine. And like, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. My, my, she was my fiance then my wife. Now she came back to the hotel, to not the hotel, the uh, apartment. And she like sees me lying on the ground. Just like, I was just trying to calm down. Cause my heart was going so fast and I like was having trouble breathing. And she was like, are you all right? And I was like, I think I'm going to die. And so I, I went, cause I was living in New York city and they have all these, like, um, uh, emergency, em- like, these emergency rooms, like, 24-hour emergency cares, like, all over the city. Like, they're everywhere. So I was, like, I'm just going to go outside and walk around the block where this emergency room is because it was like urgent care I was like I'm gonna walk around the block because if I have a heart attack I'd rather have it happen right outside of one of these places than be in my apartment so I just walked around the block and I listened to stand-up comedy for like two hours because I was like I need to calm down try and relax and then uh, and then I came back and then I ended up being fine but yeah that was that was brutal and that was actually ever since then that was when I started having issues with caffeine so I was like all right I need to you od would on it, bro. Yeah, dude, I did. It was awful. It was awful.
0: So it's interesting. So, for you, don't we don't know each other too well? Just to give you a little background. So, a lot of the, the people that I talk to, a lot of people that, uh, I work with, um, I try to put a lot of information out there and a, and a lot of positivity. I, I talk a lot about mindset, mental health, um, you know, physical performance, mental performance. And something I, I, I thought is amazing that it seemed like for a long time you you've had, and you've had this bold confidence you're not worried about your posting you're not um nervous necessarily about the content you're putting out you speak really well is confidence for you been something you've had as a younger kid or is it that fuck it mentality that you've had like you're not you know you're you're you don't talk you're you know the bullshit piece of it um when did confidence come in for you is that something you always had or is that something that's you know you've developed as you got deeper into your career
1: yeah, so it's a great question. I think it's a little bit of both. So number one, I think, I think sort of the no bullshit mentality is honestly more of a a product of where I grew up and who I grew up with than anything, because I, I grew up outside Boston, Massachusetts, and that's what people are like out there. It's like they're very blunt. They're in your face. They're like, "Fuck you, get out of here!" Like it's that's it is right. what it is. It's funny because the East Coast people love my content. And when I really first started making a name for myself, the West Coast people were so offended by my. They were like, "What? Like you're so mean, you're so brash." Da, da. And the East Coast people were like, "I fucking love it." Yeah, sure. so it's a big difference just in where you're brought up. So I think that was a huge part of it. Um, in terms of confidence, I, I like everything. There's a genetic role in it for sure. I think I did have more confidence just naturally than many are born with. My mom tells stories of me being a kid. Um, my mom tells stories all the time of when I was a young kid. If I saw someone getting bullied on the playground, like I would run up and try and defend them. And I, I think she, she would always say like, you had that in you than uh, more than other kids. Other kids might have tried to stay away from it. They wouldn't have gotten involved. But like I would rush up and like make sure like do everything I could to make sure someone wasn't going to get bullied. Um but on the other hand, if you go back and look at my content from 2011, 2012, 2013, you go to my YouTube videos, one of the cool things about YouTube is you can order videos by newest to oldest or oldest to newest. So you can go order my YouTube videos from oldest to newest, go to 2012 and watch all of my old YouTube videos, and you will see a completely different speaker. Red in the face, super nervous, swaying side to side because I was so worried. Like I couldn't even stand in one spot. My voice was shaky. so. I think I started off with more confidence than other people start off with, but I'm almost at a thousand YouTube videos. I'm well over a thousand podcasts. I have well over 3,500 Instagram posts. I have written hundreds of articles, like like thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of content since 2011. So the other aspect is just experience. And I think the reason people get nervous is, I remember when I was single and I was like trying to meet girls, it's nerve-wracking to go and talk to a girl and try and get her number. But- Once you do it more and more and more and more, you realize the worst that happens is they reject you. It's like, no, and that's literally it. But before you get that rejection, you're like, oh, my God, what are they going to say? What's going to happen? You're really worried. The more and more and more you do it, the less you care and it's whatever. So same thing with content. The more I've done it, the more I've realized like the worst thing that happens is someone doesn't like me like, cool. I don't give a fuck. Like I'll just be me then and stop trying to be who I think people want to see. And I'll just be myself because no matter what some people like me and some people won't, and it's much less draining and much less energy to just be me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I, I think it's one of these things nowadays, more than ever, I feel like, uh, you know, there's more content than ever, but people are not being real more than ever. And, that, and I think that's why you do so well. Um, it's one piece of the puzzle because you just have that genuine realness and, you know, when you're telling people something they they can tell it's coming from the heart where even if it might not be what they want to hear, they know you're real. Mm. Right. And I think that's huge. And I mean, for me, it's huge. And I think that's why I related so much of your content, um, you know, over the years going back in a sec, what part of Boston were you from? So do you know, do you know, Sudbury? Dude, I, I've lived in, um, Chestnut Hill for a little while. I, oh, I uh, worked at Equinox down at Chestnut Hill for a while and then lived out of this. Uh, then I ran a fitness together down in the South end of the, sound at the Boston.
1: So that's awesome. Yeah. I grew up in Sudbury. I lived in, uh, I lived in, uh, my brother lived in the North end for a while. I lived in Somerville and Davis square for a while. Uh, I lived in, um, down, uh, not downtown. What's it fucking called? Uh, right next to, uh, near Faneuil hall. Right oh near- yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I was right next to you down there. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's funny. Cause I saw that I'm like, Boston, I'm like no shit. Like I was yeah. like right there. That's cool. And it makes yeah. sense. Again, I'm one of
1: the Northeast guys that end up following you, right? We connect like, because we get like, it, one of the first things he is I just like how you say it like it is. And all, it's like East Coast people really like that. Whereas yeah. other, and I think actually most of the world likes that. Um, West Coast is a little bit different. And, and not to say because West Coast people are going to be offended, not to say all West Coast people don't appreciate it. But it is a very different culture. It's a very, and it's often Super. much more beat around the bush. Like they don't want to hurt your feelings in the East coast, whether it's New Jersey, New York, Boston, like they, they just say it like it is, And it's funny. Cause then I've traveled and then I, when I lived in the middle East, the, the Middle East makes the, makes the Northeast look like California in terms of how, how direct we are. Like the Middle East, they will yell at you and they will say like what we look at as like the rudest shit. And that's just how they talk. And they're not mad at each other. They're not upset. It's like just people in the Middle East they are so direct. It's unbelievable. It's like, Have you ever been um, in a mall and seen like Israelis selling these like creams in the mall? They're like, come yeah. here, come here. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They're so direct. It's like one right, of the why there are yeah. some of the best salespeople. Because like, come, 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 my friend. Come, come, come. I give you this. I you give can't you, come, say come, no. Come, come. You can't say no. They're so, and that's how they are in interactions in general. It's super funny dude, it, it's hilarious. Cause it's the
0: truth. Like you said, when you brought that up, I'm like, I can I can picture it literally exactly what's <laughs> happening. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Um, so funny we, with, uh, playing off that confidence side too, dude, when it comes to, you know, motivation, you know, I talk a lot of, you know, about motivations, kind of bullshit. You have to build, you know, it comes and goes, you have to, you know, you there's times to be motivated. You get a cool YouTube video. They see you hyped up, you know, you're all excited. It's great but you have to build that discipline over time, you know, chasing that discomfort, being uncomfortable, you know, even when you don't want to be. And that's like you with your jujitsu. I'm sure there's many times you're on the mat and you're like, dude, this fucking sucks. Yep. <laughs> but like, um, but you keep pushing. What motivates you to keep pushing, dude? You have a lot going on right now. You have the new child, you got your wife, you got your business, the inner circle. If people don't know about the business you run. You have Sia Fitness. Um, you have all these things going on. Like what motivates you if you had to say a couple of things like day to day to keep going?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot I I would, I have to say though, like, I'm really not that motivated just to be honest with you. Like I'm not just, it's become, it's become a habit as you know, like I've been doing this for so long. I've been, it, it would be very weird for me not to get my movement in. Like it'd be like, is, is everything okay? It would be like, if I just, you know, when you, if you don't brush your teeth, how it feels gross. Oh yeah. And, oh, like, it's just like, it doesn't feel good. It's sort of the same thing. If I don't get my movement in, I don't post content. Like I don't, it it feels like I didn't brush my teeth type of a thing. So it's, it's more just like when you have a habit, motivation becomes a little bit less of a, of a concerning factor. And it's more just like, well, this is what I do. It's like brushing my teeth every day. Um, that being said, you know, for example, I was watching jujitsu fights all weekend. There was a, like the, the Olympics of jujitsu was on this weekend. It was crazy. So I was on my ass all day. And like yesterday by like 9 PM, I had only had like 1500 steps. And I was like, Oh shit. And like, I did not want to get my movement in. I did not want to, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I have to go get it in. And that's where I think, um, discipline is a huge part of it. But like underneath discipline it's like well what motivates me to have that discipline right it's like oftentimes fitness professionals will set will completely separate discipline and motivation they'll say they're two separate things it's not accurate like they play into each other um and that that's actually it's interesting because a lot of fitness professionals will say things like discipline over motivation which like yeah it's a good idea and then they'll say like motivation doesn't matter da, 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 da. but then they'll say they'll ask the question well what's your why Like, why do you want to do this? And what that really, what they're asking is, what's your motivation, right? It's like, what's your why is what is your motivation? So my motivation now in my life is about being able to be there for my family, um, not just being able to live longer and be there for longer, but being able to protect them. That's a huge thing. Uh, I think that's, it's one of the reasons I love doing jujitsu every day is like, I, I feel more confident in my ability to protect my family. If I need to protect myself, if I need to protect anyone who needs it, if they need, if they need help. Um, I think protection is a huge part of, of my personality and, and wanting to be there and make sure even going back to those stories, my mom would tell when I was younger about, you know, if someone's getting bullied and I would run right up, like, That's been a huge part of my life ever since I was a kid. I've just always wanted to protect. So I think for me, a lot of it is protection, and and I even relay that to my jujitsu coach because there's there's sport jujitsu and then there's like self defense jujitsu. There's like jujitsu to compete and to try and win gold medals, and then there's jujitsu that you would use in a real fight. And there's a huge amount of crossover between the two. But there are some things on the extreme end of the sports stuff that like, I just have no interest in learning and he'll start trying to teach me and I'll be like, honestly, I don't want to practice this because this has no bearing on anything that I want to do in, in real life. And so we'll move on. So I think for me, it's being able to live as long as I can with a, the highest quality of life that I can and being able to protect the people I love.
0: I think that's an awesome response and I think I even get myself caught up in that a little bit because it's one of those like you said you use the the motivation here and there but the why behind it makes complete sense I think that's something that like can someone could really use um, you know moving forward when you're on that playground and you're running to go save that kid how does the mom respond
1: my mom yes like, is she like she like she's, it. yeah like she's supportive she loved, of it yeah yeah she loves it she was my my both of my parents and and I don't really have a relationship with my father at this point but both one of the things they both did really well was instill they were both like you never throw the first punch if you throw the first punch you're fucked but if you're protecting yourself for someone else like i don't care what happens at school i don't care if you get suspended i don't care what like if you're protecting you or someone else you're always fine you're never in trouble and so that was always like a, a big thing at home. And so my mom was always like went over the top telling me she was super proud of me for, for doing that. And so, so yeah, that that's always been ingrained in me for sure.
0: I don't have any kids yet. I t- we were, but we were talking about this with my wife the other day and my dad was like five, three, five, four as like a junior in high school. So he, he, you know, he, um, he played sports, but not a bigger guy, but had to get involved, you know, 40 years ago in a bunch of like fights and things like that. So, but the same thing is dad's like, you know, you know you're going to probably get bullied and pick on a bit, but if you know you stand up to him those few times, it's going to push back, and it's probably not going to continue to happen. So he was in a lot of situations like that, and that's kind of how he brought me up. Luckily, I was kind of the the friendly guy that knew everybody. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have to go down that situation, but I can relate to you on that for sure. It's um, true. Man. I'll
1: never forget in elementary school, this one time, this kid was trying to pick on me on the playground. We were on like the soccer fields and uh, and I had started wrestling. And um, I picked him up and I slammed him on the fucking ground. And from that point on, all the way through high school, because I didn't change school systems we were in the same school system, no one ever, ever bothered me again for the next 10 plus years. It was crazy. It was like, sometimes you just got to like punch the bully in the nose, so to speak, and then they'll stop. Yeah,
0: well, it was a mic drop moment. You Hulk Hogan and it was game over after
1: that. Yeah, man. done. <laughs> <And> <laughs> dude, I'm a it. short dude as well. Like, I'm five foot four. Like it's uh, it's definitely you. You sort of have a target on your back when people think you're you're an easy target. Well, tell me if I'm wrong. Five time
0: powerlifting world record holder. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> are you Are you still? Are you still doing a lot of the heavy weight lifting? Are you? Are you? Not are as you? much
1: now, and I'll tell you why. It's because so there's a couple of reasons. So. After I competed last, which was in 2014, and I started getting into jujitsu, you know, I was lif- I was lifting four times my body weight. I deadlifted 530 at a- weighing 132 pounds. Then I went into jujitsu and I was getting choked out by girls 20 to 30 pounds less than me who've never lifted a weight in their life. And like I had 10 years wrestling experience and I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm gonna be able to hold my own in jiu-jitsu. And I'm getting choked out by girls who weigh significantly less than me, who can't lift anywhere near as much as me. And I was like, okay, I need to worry less about how much I'm lifting and more about how like I'm fighting and then being able to use my strength in an efficient way. Because the like taking my deadlift from 500 to 600, that's an unbelievable amount of time and effort and training and consistency and stress on the body where it's like, it wouldn't help me that much in a fight, like going from five... Going from 135 to 315 would help for sure. But going from 500 to 600, like it doesn't matter at that point. Like the, the, right. there's massive diminishing returns. So it, for me, it's like, no, I lift, like, I still lift way more than most people in my weight class in jiu-jitsu and probably even several weight classes above me like i've never met anyone in my weight class who's anywhere near as strong as me in the gym but there are definitely people in my weight class who are better than me at jiu-jitsu and who fuck me up because their their technique is so good and uh so yeah i I still lift heavy but not anywhere like i used to sure
0: so um my brother uh he's a blue belt i think he has two stripes in let's go nice yeah so i got really into jiu-jitsu i went to my first ufc match 2000 i don't know if you remember the year I, you followed i know you love um uh, ufc so he i went to the cormier shoot who was it uh, it was the, no it was so for, the main card was um nagano and Stepe. okay and then the car card was uh cormier and it was like this uh like tall blonde haired like six foot five heavyweight like russian guy. i forget who his name was um Oh, but anyway my first fight Boston uh went to the fight the craziest experience I've he ever was, been to. wasn't Stipe Miocic was it no Stipe fought it was Nagano so, okay, okay right and then it with the undercar was Cormier and then Cormier w- won the belt in the light heavyweight and then this is when he was in light heavyweight before Got he transitioned it. up
1: okay yep yep
0: but dude have you been to like a legit UFC event
1: I went to UFC 74 when I was in high school in right. uh Newark, New Jersey. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Bro, it's insane. Like, like the, the the knockouts, the hype up, like we got good seats pretty down low, I took my brother for his birthday. And uh, it's insanity. Like you have to go back like you just it's so awesome, man. It was it, I've been to every sporting event, I'm a huge sports guy, by yeah. far the coolest, most electric environment when someone gets hit and knocked out and drops like the electricity in the room is insane. It's not And, uh, I can't wait to go back, but my, and you brought up the jujitsu piece and the conditioning piece. And like, so I, my brother had a, he got, he lacked similar to me. I was the insecure, skinny, scrawny kid in high school, didn't really good grades, insecure, not confident in fitness. I found fitness and that's like a lot of people. That's what opened me up and got me to where I am today. And, um, my brother was very similar to me. He started working out at 16 years old. Now he, uh, got into weightlifting, pulled, three times his body weight and deadlift got really strong never competed in powerlifting, but then fell in love with jiu-jitsu well he's like the you know you're 17 18 years old you got abs you think you're the man and <laughs> he starts rolling and he's dominating kids because he's out the white belt he's out you know he's out uh, just out powering them then he gets up to blue belt and he's undefeated he's like 15 and 0 or something we go to his first event out in new york we've never been to an event for him my family come out we come out and he throws up and gets wrecked in his first fight. Oh,
1: man. His first
0: match in jiu-jitsu, he gets wrecked. And it's one of these things where, like, he didn't want to train a lot of conditioning because he was just manhandling people. So it was kind of like Nagano before Nagano, right? Now yeah, he's a savage. Yeah. But back then, he gassed and it was over. So it was just funny because you brought that up. I just pictured going to that match. And then we, ch- then we started having him running and fan bu- or, uh, you know, era bikes and so on and so forth. and it was a night and day experience but i think that's a rude awakening for a lot of people um in that sport specifically strong will get you so far if you don't got conditioning it's
1: over strong strong gets you through about seven seconds
0: yep and that's about the length
1: of a max effort lift like if you can get it gets you about through about what five reps would take you after those five reps and and it's funny because in in the strength world people joke like yeah anything above five reps is cardio it's like yeah and that's what's going to happen if you get into like most fights don't end in five seconds or seven seconds or 10 seconds. Like if you are like, I don't ever want to get in a fight. I don't ever want to, but I would, I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Right. I I would rather be the person who's able to, if I need to, and man, there's nothing to motivate you to get in shape more than jujitsu. Like, Holy shit. Like I thought I was in shape. And after a minute I, I was, I couldn't breathe. Uh, not because anyone was choking me, because I was so gassed out. It's insane. So I am not into jujitsu. I watch UFC almost I try to stream every
0: fight as if I can do it. Now my work schedule, you know the world personal training, right? You're up early, so it's tough. Um so I want to touch about a few things in personal training in a second, but I, I wanted to talk about the um what were we just saying in regard to the uh oh man, we Jiu- were just talking you about jujitsu. Yeah. So with the jujitsu piece, when it came to, um, the conditioning aspect of it. So that is a whole different ball game. I'm not into jujitsu as much, but I'm into more of like, uh, I did the weightlifting bodybuilding. I did, you know, WMBF pro card, the whole, you know, oh, back. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So I won that back in 2016, 17. Hey, that's amazing. And, thanks, man. So, so that was cool. That's like That's impressive. Well, it was interesting for me, man. So being that skinny scrawny kid. So it was kind of, I don't know if tell me if you're like this. So I think there's a double-edged sword to this. A lot of people view this as a negative and a positive. When you use other, like, so I was engaged at 22. I had someone necessarily that um, wasn't supportive of what, I, you know, didn't believe in me. So I used it. a lot of the four or five years of my life after that was to prove them wrong, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm capable of, what can I do, right? So it wasn't the underlying why to everything, but it was a piece of the puzzle that got me there. So like, that was a big thing for me when it came to winning the pro card, it was like one it prove to myself I can do it amongst the odds of being this skinny scrawny kid but then also like the little
1: fire along the way was like dude there was the fuck you and you're like I'm gonna fucking 100% dude I love that like I lo- like and I know a lot of people are like well that's not healthy it's like all right shut the fuck up like if if it's driving you to do something amazing I, like look at look at Michael Jordan look at like the best athletes dude. of all time they all manufactured anger as a way to motivate them and they used it it's like who's who who can judge and say well that's not the right way to go about it usually people saying that are people haven't accomplished what they want to accomplish it's like yeah, i love I, that i, I agree. think it's great i agree
0: and that's and that's my view on it too and i'd be curious i was curious what your thought i figured it would be something similar but all the people i listen to and love are like the the Jockos, the goggins the grovers yeah. like just the beasts, the savages and, and you brought up the conditioning part and this is where my ego got crushed and i'm super competitive so I trained this client online. She's one of the. She's sponsored by Tough Mudder. She's an absolute savage, like one of the top women athletes that travel around the country. Well, she wanted to do a five k or a five mile savage race. So I'm like still doing all my bodybuilding, powerlifting. I got this. I got this. And then I got wrecked, bro. She's pushing like a pace. I go, "What's your heart rate at?" She's like, "143." I'm like, "186," and I feel like I'm gonna die. So, so, so. Basically, I toughed through it with her. felt like I was gonna die. She's like, and then at the end of it, this is where it crushed me even more. So they have a, a tire flip challenge going on, and it's a oh, 350 no. pound tire. And I'm like, bro, I can deadlift 585. We got this. We're gonna we're gonna win. But I was so taxed and crushed. I got <laughs> the guy had 12 flips, and I was I was start people were talking, and they're like, oh dude, I think you got this because I look at the part. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what are you deadlift? I'm like, ah, 585. We got this, bro. And I got six and I thought I was going to die. So, <laughs> so basically for the last like 16 weeks, I've been training for a Spartan beast out of principle, 13 mile obstacle course race, Nice. just because I hated being so bad in deconditioned. It was just like an ego check. So I can, I, I, it's, that, that was my reawakening, not jujitsu, but that. just getting smashed by this woman, basically.
1: Dude, so, that's, it's amazing, man. it's like, uh, a- I think it's a big issue in the bodybuilding, powerlifting, Olympic lifting world. They get so dogmatic and think that, like, just because they can lift a lot of weight or they look the part that they're fit. It's like, yeah. nope. <laughs> no, not at all. You're,
0: if, if, if you want to look at a mirror of aesthetically pleasing person, great. If you, if there's a kid underneath the car and you need to get a couple of your powerlifting buddies, other than that, like, you know, I, um, do you know, so I don't know if you know, Rob Kearney, world's strongest gay or Nick and Zach
1: Hadge at all. Oh, oh, dude. I know Nick and Zach Hadge. They're fucking awesome, dude.
0: bro. I went to school with them. They're in my same class. Nick and Zach are my boys. Like we they're, graduated um, the same class, same to school at Springfield
1: outside Boston. We used to train at Titan barbell like, with Eric. Dude, That's so funny. Yeah. So, um, awesome. I love those guys. They're, they're, they're amazing. They're teddy bears. They're
0: awesome dudes. Cause in 2016, when I moved out to Boston, we moved out kind of the same year we both graduated Springfield College um 2016 there so we moved out after that so yeah cool dudes and um
1: they're that whole
0: world is just you know they're just cool dudes to be around but yeah that world's a wild world when it comes to the strongman it's just a beast of beasts
1: yeah and and I like the strongman world because they take conditioning into the equation like it's yes. not just one lift and done like they they they're they're conditioned athletes as well sure
0: yeah and so I wanted to go back a little bit. Um, how, how long did you put aside for this, brother? I just didn't want to go over on your
1: time. Uh, I have another podcast in about 20 minutes.
0: Okay, cool. So I just want to go over a couple of things for you. Um, so in regard to the personal training side, I wanted to touch on that real quick. because I think there's a lot of people that um, at least that I know friends of mine that are getting burnt out in the personal training field. So mm-hmm. they're doing the split shifts. They're doing the long days. They, they want to go on their own at some point. They want to transition online. Um, maybe do a hybrid model. What if, if you were in a corporate gym right now and you're burnt out, worn out, and you want to go on your own and maybe even go to a hybrid coaching, what advice would you give someone to do that? Maybe the first couple steps.
1: Yeah. So number one, it's, it's a tough industry. Like it's very difficult. Burnout rate is huge. Um, With that being said, it's very doable. Like It's very doable like to, to either do a hybrid model, go go fully online. I would just say the first thing that you have to understand is, let's say you have someone who's, I don't know, 35, 40 percent body fat who says they want to get a six pack and they want to deadlift 500 pounds, you're going to tell them, all right, that's amazing, but it's not going to take six months and that's sort of the mindset you have to have in terms of building your business, building your business is exactly like building a strong, healthy body. It takes years. So that like you have to understand from the very beginning, it's going to take time. Um, I think number one is from the online perspective is I think you, you need to start making content, which is, which is pretty obvious. It's sort it's obvious in the same way that someone who's 45% body fat needs to start exercising, but they don't always start doing that or, they need to start eating more fruits and vegetables, but they don't do it. Right. A lot, a ton of coaches like know what they need to do, but they're not making content. Or if they do make content, it's, I don't know, once a week, a couple times a week, and it's a shitty piece of content. Imagine if your 45% body fat client only ate vegetables two times a week. And like, it, and every time it was just like they're going to have like a potato with like sour cream and French fries and bacon on top. It's like, okay, well, yeah, technically you had a vegetable, but we need more consistency and like, we need like a better, higher quality. So I know a lot of coaches are putting out content and, and I look at their, their content and it's like, okay, you published two pieces of content in the last week. And one was of a pickup truck. And the other one was your dog. Like, this is awful content. No one gives a fuck about your pickup truck. And yeah, your dog is cute, but also no one gives a fuck and it's not helping anybody. It's not helping anybody. So you need to start making helpful content. And the easiest way to make helpful content is the questions that your clients ask you in person, answer them online. If you have a client in person, it's like, Hey, I'm struggling to get protein. Cool. Make an entire post struggling to get protein. Here's seven, here's seven ways to increase your protein intake easily. A client is you're in coaching them in the gym. And they're like, Oh, my back is hurting. When I do this deadlift back hurts when you deadlift. here's what you can do instead. It's like, as client is like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm really struggling to sleep. Well, it's like, Cool. Struggling to sleep well. Here's what you do. The the basic formula is they've got a problem. You have a solution. Any problem that you you encounter as a coach, make content about it. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it, how many times you've seen other coaches answer it. It's irrelevant because people are still asking you your opinion, and that's what they want to hear. They want to hear your opinion. You can either give them a post that I made. Great. Give me free publicity or make the post yourself and have you answer it. Because if you give them my post, they're going to hire me. So make your <laughs> post so that they can hire you online. So that's really, I would say the number one thing is start making consistent content online for years. I started making content in July of 2011, and I didn't really start making money online until like 2013. And even then it wasn't like an amazing income. It was just enough to really, to get me to be able to have a hybrid model of online in person. And I didn't go fully online until 2015. And yeah, t- till twenty fifteen, I I went fully online. So from two thousand eleven to two thousand fifteen, it took me. And uh, yeah, I mean, so just the the number one thing, the first most important, the lowest hanging fruit, is consistent helpful content. That's it.
0: Do you think there's value in in hiring someone, almost a mentor a coach, to kind of to steer you in the right direction, or do you think it's for yourself? You learned a lot more just kind of learning, the the, the learning curve you get by doing it on your
1: own. I think it's in the same way. It's super helpful to for a 45% individual, 45% body fat individual to hire a coach. Fuck even like a, like high level bodybuilders, hire coaches. Sure. Right? Like I have a coach right now for my fitness. Cause like, it's just, it helps, helps me stay consistent. Help. Like if, if I didn't, if I wasn't paying my coach to write my programs, I probably wouldn't be doing cardio in the way that I'm yeah. doing cardio right now. Cause it, it wouldn't, I would have far less motivation. Like I put my money where my mouth is. I like, I'm, I, I've got to do it cause I'm paying them. Um, when I first started, I didn't hire my first coach, I didn't hire anybody or anything until I was making enough money solely from online to fund it. So I didn't have a real website made until I could fully fund web design from my online business. Uh, So I used a free template from WordPress for the first couple of years before I could pay for it with my online income. I didn't pay for an online business coach until I could fund it from my online business that I started. So I hired four business coaches over the from like 2013 to 2016. The first three were fucking awful. Absolutely terrible. Like spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars and I'm careful not to say I, I didn't waste that money because I learned a lot from it, but it was money that was uh that was not Used the way I hoped that it would be used. The fourth business coach I hired was incredible, and he changed my life forever. Very much in line with my morals, my ethics, with what I want to accomplish. He just completely changed my life and my business. Um, and so it was a hundred percent worth it to spend all those thousands of dollars on shitty coaches to eventually find him. Because if I just decided I'm not going to hire a coach, or I went through the first one, no more coaches. Second one, no more coaches. Third one, no more coaches. If I decided to stop hiring coaches, I never would have met him, and my business would not be where it is today. So. Yeah, very much worth it. And it's important to understand. Unfortunately, in the same way, there's a lot of shitty fitness coaches, there's a lot of shitty business coaches. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you got to go through that experience in order to find the one that's going to be good for you. I, last- bet most, I bet most personal trainers listening have at least one, if not many, clients who had shitty coaches before they came to you. Sure. Oh, Still yeah. For a coach, same thing.
0: Yeah. Now, it's interesting too. Um, how do you, how do you, uh, So for example, I I go through this here and there, right? So uh, it's something I've dealt with um, in the past and I've got better with it. I think as you get more confident and you learn your value from, you know, used to be selling $140 an hour training in Equinox to like doing online stuff. Um, If someone's pricing themselves out, especially in the online market, I know I've listened to some podcasts with you. What's your, I'm blanking out your buddy's name for the podcast you do the Mike. Mike. So you guys talked about pricing it out as, you know, know, I think he said around 300, you were on 200. Um, it, it, when it comes to the month-to-month training and things like that in the past. Um, when you price yourself out in that industry, do you think that is that is more or less like the standard of like where you can get a wide group of people to build your business? Or you think if you charge more, it's kind of going into more of that specialty around those lines? Because I know a lot of people, I have friends that are trying to build their online business and they're struggling, like they're undervaluing themselves all the time. So it's mm. finding this balance, right? Of like enough value, enough time you put in, but also... You want to build to grow your clientele?
1: yeah, so it it really depends. I know coaches who uh, are constantly saying things like, "Oh, yeah, like I'm like they're they're uh, I, I deserve way more than this. like, I, I, like <laughs> I, i'm uh, I'm underpriced. It's like, but they're having trouble signing clients on, and they're like, I'm undervaluing myself. I'm like, well no, you're not. You are overvaluing yourself if you think that you're worth this, but no one's paying it. You are True. overvalued. So like, that's number one. In the same way I have other people I know who like have a hundred clients and like crazy people who are always trying to sign on and they're charging way too little. It's like, you are undervaluing yourself. You need to increase your price. So there's, it's a give and take. It depends on who you are and where you are in your business and your coaching experience. But I want people to understand this is a big trend lately. Be like, oh, you're undervaluing yourself. It's like, right, probably not. Like- You have four clients. You're probably not undervaluing you're yourself. Probably not. If you have four clients- like, no, you're not, it's just, you're, you're overvaluing yourself. Uh, and keeping in mind that your, your ability as a coach is not the only piece of value here. It's like also your, your business and your ability to sell and all this, like all of these factors contribute to where you're valuing yourself. And if no one is signing on for your price, you are overvaluing yourself, period, end of story. Um. So with that in mind, for me, my ultimate endpoint was $300 a month, um, $75 a week paid month to month. That's where like, I found myself the most comfortable. My buddy, Mike is somewhere is closer to 400 uh, a month. Um, I have, uh, some people who are closer to 200 a month and other people I know who do a thousand or more a month. And I honestly think that's fucking ridiculous. I don't think fitness coaches should be charging a thousand a month unless like you're actually like there with them in person. Like, like, it's just not, it's not worth that much to be honest, but you know, it's also, I don't like this, this quote unquote high ticket model. That's a all you hear now. Yeah. Number one, because you sound like a douchebag when you say you're a high ticket coach, like, oh, I'm a high ticket. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're a personal trainer, <laughs> number one. Um, number two is if one of the ideas is, well, you can take on fewer people for more money. Cool. So let's say you have 10 clients at $1,000 each. Awesome. That's great. You're making 10000 a month. What happens if three of them drop off? You've just lost 30% of your income overnight or in a sure. week. And it's not weird to have three clients drop off at once. But on the other hand, let's say you've got 40 clients at $200 a month. Well, now 40 clients at $200 a month, you have 10 clients per month that need, or 10 clients per week that need a new program, right? So you can structure it out. So you have 10 clients per week, 10 programs a week is not bad at all. 40 clients is super manageable. And you're making six figures uh, at 200 a month with 40 clients. You get three of those people to drop off. That's a fraction of of the amount of uh, of the amount of hit to your income i would f- and you also get way more experience you get way more experience coaching 40 people than you do 10 people so i would way rather have a little bit higher clientele base at a slightly lower cost because it gives you a, a more opportunity it has it's a far less dangerous for as a business model i wouldn't say have 100 clients for 100 dollars a month i think that would be a stupid stupid idea i would rather be somewhere in that middle ground of like 30 to 70, 30 to 80 clients between 200 to $500 a month, I think is a really good range.
0: Cool. Last question for you, brother. So this one's just more to, uh, to help the person that's struggling right now. So if someone, if you got someone who basically um, lacks self-confidence, doesn't feel good about themselves right now, maybe is on that teetering point, they want to get active, but maybe they're overweight, they're out of shape, they're not feeling you know great about themselves all around, what advice would you give to someone that just wants to get started um, down the fitness journey, down making them feel better? Maybe they're struggling a little bit mental health, but just want to get started and take care of themselves and feel a little better. What advice would you give someone the first step just to start feeling a little bit
1: better? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is you're not alone. Like It's super important to understand that it's one of the worst feelings in the world is feeling alone. Like no one else gets it. No one else understands it. I promise you, you are not alone. And like the vast majority of people, I think, feel like that. It's why the fitness industry is fucking booming. Cause it's there are tons of people who feel sad and out of shape and alone and unattractive and unhealthy and they don't know where to begin. It's like it's uh and I think even now with social media, people even feel more alone, which is ironic because like we're more connected than ever, but feel more alone than ever. So it's important to understand you are not alone because the the less alone you feel, the the more likely you are to succeed. So you, you are not alone. And there's always someone you can reach out to, even if like if it's me or if it's you or there's someone online, like a great coach, you can always reach out. Someone's gonna be there to support you, always. Even if it's not family, it's, it might not be your family. Your family might be the worst place to go. Your friend, like your friends might be the worst place to go. Maybe you don't have family or you don't have friends. There's someone that you can reach out to online who will help you. I promise you that. I promise. Um with that being said, the best place to start, you have to try and build confidence, right? You have to start off with something that's going to help build your confidence and, and your, the belief in your ability to succeed. It's the most important thing, which means you have to start with the lowest hanging fruit. I think the best thing you could start off with is walking. Just start walking every day. Um, it doesn't i don't care if you listen to a podcast, you watch a youtube video, you call a friend. i don't i don't care like if you do it there's a walk around your apartment, maybe you're embarrassed to go outside, so like you just walk like i used to get 10,000 steps just walking inside my 500 square foot new york city apartment just to get my steps in sometimes. just walk. just walk. i would start off with 5 minutes a day, then go to 10 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day and eventually it'll get better and better and better and soon enough you're going to be feeling better you're going to feel more excited more proud of yourself that'll lead to eating better that'll lead to going to the gym that'll lead to you know going out and meeting people and developing more relationships but the lowest hanging fruit the best thing you can start with is just walking
0: i love that man i i uh i appreciate you coming on and and taking the time i'm grateful to have you on man and uh keep doing what you're doing man you're inspiring a ton of people including myself and uh you know, I appreciate you, bro. And, um, I'm excited to see the things you have going future. I'm excited to see the little girl grow. Thank and you, um, I'm excited to see the wife's next job. She's got a lot of jobs.
1: <laughs> she a lot. I know. I know people have been asking recently. I've got to get back on that. But thank you, man. You're a great host. Um, if you're ever in Dallas, you've always got a got a place. I would love to hang out, grab a beer or something. Maybe uh, hit up a softball game or get on the jujitsu jitsu or something. We'll
0: fight for third base. We'll fight right, for third Deal.
1: Base. I will gladly.
0: <laughs> <fight for that. laughs> it's good, bro. Who knows, brother? No, I, I really appreciate it, man. All right? And um, have a good rest of your night. And uh, I'll definitely keep in be in touch. Thank you, brother. Have a good one. All right, later, Jordan.